Hello, everybody. Dalton here. Today on the podcast, we have Miss Catherine Staffieri. Catherine is a registered dietitian nutritionist who currently works as a nutrition manager at Nutrisense. It's one of the fastest growing health tech startups aimed to help anyone discover and reach their health potential. Catherine has counseled thousands of clients on their glucose scores, reviewing over 750,000 hours of glucose data. She's recorded meals in the process while recommending nutritional adjustments to improve her client's metabolic health. She holds a master's in nutrition education from Columbia University and completed her undergrad work at the University of Pennsylvania. She enjoys cooking, spending time with her three kids, traveling, and being active. Catherine's philosophy is that you're never too old to make changes in your life to better your mind, your body, and your well-being. I enjoyed this conversation so much. It was light. It goes along with our gut health season and talking about glucose, talking about your gut health, talking about different foods that will benefit you, different things you can do, activities that will decrease your uh, blood glucose as well as improve your life overall, decrease stress. Just a real light, fun conversation. I really think you're going to enjoy it and take a lot away from this. I know I sure did, especially like the hacks that she talked about on how to take certain things or ingest certain things before eating high sugar, high carbohydrate meals, which I know we all do because we're halfway healthy. We're just living life, having fun. And again, I think you can take a lot away from this and I hope you enjoy as much as I did. Enjoy the episode. Good morning, Miss Catherine. Thank you so much for joining me. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This is uh, this is always fun for me to talk about nutrition, health, glucose monitors, the whole thing. Wonderful. I, I would love to, if you can, just give us a brief understanding for the audience on what is a dietitian. I mean, what kind of background do you have? When do people seek out dietitians? That sort of information, because I don't think a lot of people understand or have had interactions with dietitians. Absolutely. I think that's a great way to get started because I agree there's a lot of misconceptions out there and there's a lot of people out there calling themselves different things that are related to what a dietitian does. But um, personally, this is my second career. So I used to work in finance um, and then I totally switched gears, went back to school and I got my master's in nutrition education. I completed a dietetic internship and I sat for the national exam. And that is really what makes a registered dietitian different than um, any anyone out there calling themselves a health coach or a nutritionist, right? We've gone through a master's program. We've gone through rigorous um, internship training um, and we've completed uh, an accredited exam. So we're pretty smart. We really know what we're talking about. We're super into, you know, science and data. Um, and so dietitians, you can come across a dietitian in a lot of different areas. Uh, a lot of times people will see us in a hospital setting. Um, but you can also find us working for sports teams. You can find us in a private practice. You can find us uh, working in functional medicine uh, areas with a functional uh, medical doctor. So really dietitians can wear a lot of different hats. They can be in school systems. They can be doing health education out in the community. So we really try and reach a lot of different people in a lot of different areas. Yeah. Wonderful. The it's funny because I would love for you to touch on this because I remember 
uh, I'm a physical therapist and I have, I actually had a minor in nutrition, just something that I, that I've loved to study for a long time. And I remember in one of my classes in undergrad, I can't remember the exact picture, but it was some sort of a, it was some sort of a meme of a cat with a nutritionist certification next to them saying that they were a nutritionist. Can you, can you describe for people the difference between a, a nutritionist and a dietitian? I know you described exactly what a dietitian was, but what, what is a nutritionist and why should people be aware of, of the ease of access of, of what that uh, stands for? Yeah, it's, that's a great question because nutritionist is not a, I, I would say health coach is the most vague and mm. slightly uncertified term. Um, so anyone calling themselves a quote unquote health coach, you might want to dig in a little bit more in terms of their background and their education. Now, nutritionist, um, actually dietitians have tried to bring some validity back to that term. Oh, and so, good. yeah. And so my, my actual title, when I write my, you know, the letters after my name is Catherine Staffieri, RDN. So registered dietitian slash nutritionist and nutritionist can also encompass a certified nutrition specialist. These people haven't, they've gone sort of on a parallel path to a registered dietitian. So they've also completed um, schooling. They've also completed, you know, uh, uh, coursework and they've also completed, um, you know, clinical hours. So if you see a CNS and someone's calling themselves a nutritionist, that's, that's very valid. Um, you know, lots of great training um, along that route as well. So nutritionist is, is, um, I would say maybe separate but equal, kind of a, a way of uh, of describing someone who has a true education and, and background in nutrition. Well, good. I guess my eight years ago is is outdated from it. Maybe that was, uh, has that been a recent change where you said trying to bring some validity back to the nutritionist name? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, when did I graduate my program? 2014. So almost, mm -hmm. oh, oh my God, almost 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, that's gone fast. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think it was around that time that they were starting to add that N, you know, the RDN, uh, to it. Yeah. Good deal. Well, fans of the show know that, uh, we love to take tangents and go off on rabbit holes. So I, I would love to, before we jump into the things we want to talk about with the gut health and the, uh, all, all the other things that we talked about at the beginning of the show, I want to know why the switch from finance to the nutrition side. If you don't mind digging in a little bit, I'm just curious. No, no, no. I'm always happy to share my story. Um, I feel like, you know, my philosophy around nutrition is, you know, you're never too old to make any changes. And I also feel that way in terms of, you know, your career and your profession. Um, I really loved, you know, my, my minor in college was math and econ. I really thought that my, my major, my minor were math and econ. I really thought that that was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I found out about you know, eight or nine years into it, I said, gosh, if I'm doing this in the next 15, 20, you're like, oh, you know, so someone shake me, someone wake me up. You know, I know this isn't my passion. I know this isn't where my true interest lies. You know, I would find myself opening the newspaper because it was back when we had actual newspapers and I would be, you know, <laughs> looking at uh, recipes. I'd be reading the science section. I would not be looking at the business section. So I uh, tried to figure out a way to do both and it just wasn't possible. I uh, felt really lucky that I was able to enter a program and switch gears and go into this. And what's so cool about working for NutriSense is that there's a business element to it, right? It's a, it's a tech startup. So I'm able to kind of keep a little bit of that, um, 
you know, wider, broader scope of, of where we are in the business world, uh, but also keeping, uh, you know, really digging into the nutrition and the science behind it. Was there a final, a final straw? Like what was that, that moment like whenever you said, you know what, I'm signing up for, for a program? I, I really did. I tried to balance it, but I I was working in hedge funds, and hedge funds don't take kindly to um, <laughs> leaving early, <laughs> sure, um, you sure. know, uh, and 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 sort of you know um, trying to to balance another career. So uh, it was it was just more the fact that I felt like I couldn't truly dedicate myself and um, try this new career out. Uh, but I left on good terms and, you know, have always sort of toyed with, you know, oh, would I ever go back? Um, but this is really where my passion lies. I feel like, as I'm sure you know, you know, when you really find something that clicks with you, it's work, but but it's really enjoyable work. You know, it's it, it's it's a blessing, you know, to be able to do that every day. Exactly. Yeah. Whenever you make that switch into doing something that you love, even if it's generally whenever you have to do that, the the hours don't necessarily go down, but it doesn't feel the same as going in, clocking in for a 40 hour a week job that you're not exactly passionate about. Right. Totally. I think that's like the big, that's the big key. Uh, I, before I really want to go back to what you said about never being too old. And I really want to, I think we could go on a big tangent with that. So before we jump into that, you mentioned that you work for NutriSense now. I think people are noticing more of more of that device or those devices that NutriSense uh, pushes out as long as, or as, as well as the other products that they do. And then all these other companies that are doing the same thing. Can you explain what NutriSense is and what the, the main device is that, that they, um, that they're selling? Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, again, you might've seen it around. Um, We use a continuous glucose monitor. It's a little disc about the size of a quarter, I would say. Um, It's about this thick. Um, The actual device is uh, made by Abbott, Abbott Freestyle Libre, and you might see those ads on television. Uh, And what NutriSense does is we use that hardware and we've created an app that you download and that helps you to analyze that data. And it is the device itself is continuously monitoring your glucose. So CGM, continuous glucose monitor. And it's inserted on the back of your arm. You download the app. And the bonus about being with NutriSense is that you get complimentary dietitian or nutritionist support for your first month. So you have someone there to hold you accountable, to hold your hand, to help you interpret the data, to geek out on evidence, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's really what NutriSense uh, differentiates NutriSense from other CGM companies out there. And so with, with what we do in, in our content, uh, you know, I mentioned to you before that we like to really break things down to a foundational level, make it easily understood so that people can, you know, start with something and take away uh, something very basic that they can start with. And in talking about a CGM, our our first little season of content that we're, that we're talking about right now is with, is with gut health. And there's a lot to do with, with gut health and blood sugar, obviously. So if we're talking about glucose monitoring and this, the CGM, can you explain what does it mean to when it monitors glucose? Like, and, and what do different 
What do different foods do to that? What, what do they do in our bodies that interacts with that glucose system? Great. I love starting with the basics. Makes so much sense, right? And again, I think even people hear these terms like glucose, insulin, you know, what, and they don't really know what's going on physiologically, right? So glucose is one of the main energy sources in our bodies. We are not anti-glucose by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so we ingest glucose from our food, uh, from carbohydrates. And so the body, you can take in a carbohydrate and the body will break it down into that fundamental building block of glucose. The glucose gets absorbed into your uh, bloodstream and it floats around, it floats around, and the body senses this and the body produces insulin through the pancreas. Insulin is a hormone. And we like to use the notion of like a locking key. So insulin is the key that unlocks your cells and allows the glucose to enter the cell to be used for all the things that a cell needs energy for. So we really need glucose and we really need insulin and we really want them to be in harmony. We want the amount of glucose that we're taking in to be sensed appropriately by the body to produce enough insulin so that that the cells can then recognize the insulin, un unlock it, and, and have it all used, right? That's in like the perfect system, how it all should work. Unfortunately, sometimes things go off the rails, but in a, you know, in the, in, in normal homeostasis, normal body functioning, that's the flow. And so how does somebody know, let's say that they're, let's look at somebody in their twenties, thirties, forties, let's say they, you know, they go, they're fairly healthy. They may not exercise too much. They know they're not diabetic or pre-diabetic. How would they, without having a, a CGM, what are some things that they would be able to look out for to know whether they are a little bit out of whack, let's say, or just maybe their blood sugar is really high or their blood sugar is really low? Like how, how would somebody know without having a CGM? Yeah, we, even, even with the CGM, we really promote and encourage people to be mindful, right? To really be, be more aware of what their body is telling them. And that I think also goes into gut health, right? It's sort of like what is physically happening in your body such that you can kind of sense that something's off. This isn't totally right, or this isn't how I used to feel, you know, last year or five years ago or whatever it is. So without the actual hardwired data, we talk a lot about, you know, how is the stress in your life right now? Um, how are your sleep patterns right now? And a lot of times it's energy, right? It's energy and those hunger and satiety cues. Do you find like you're hungry and your energy is crashing? Do you feel like you're always full and, and something just feels off? You're really lethargic in the afternoon. Um, do you wake up starving in the morning? You know, all of these things, like we, we want everyone to be really keyed in to their own personal physical symptoms and their own personal lifestyle, because that's, that's the most wonderful thing about all of these tracking devices is that it's going to show you your own data. It's not going to show you my data. It's not going to show, you know what I mean? Like this is, this is the opportunity for someone in whatever way, Apple watch, whoop in or ring CGM, you can see what's exactly happening inside of your body and you can make changes specifically to you, not just based on like, oh, the science says, you know, you should eat at this X, Y, Z time. We can see how it works specifically for you. 
How often are you having conversations with people about things outside of just their diet and nutrition? Because I know earlier you just mentioned that you really like to make people focus on their their sleep and their stress levels and and everything that I'm studying and having conversations with people in terms of gut health, it's astounding to see, of course, there's a huge component with your diet and nutrition, but even outside, like how much stress has to play on your, on your gut health, how much your gut health has to do with your immunity, how much a poor nights of a poor night of sleep or, you know, two or three poor nights of sleep in a row can do to your, to your health. Like how, so how, how often are you having those conversations outside of just diet and nutrition? All, all the time, right? I mean, yeah, just, just right. like you said, it's it's all the time. So, you know, when we're when someone's new to our program, um, obviously we want to teach them how to use the app. We want to help them interpret that data. But pretty soon thereafter, um, you know, yes, absolutely, we look at meals, and you can log your meals, and you can see how how your morning oatmeal looks, how your dinners look. That you know, all of that kind of stuff is super important and and really helpful. But pretty shortly thereafter, we're talking about exercise, we're talking about sleep, we're talking about um, stress levels, because all of those interplay into your glucose levels. And you can really see it on a real time basis. I mean, you can see stress in your glucose levels, you can see a poor night's sleep in your glucose levels. It's and I think that can be kind of a, a really cool moment for a lot of people that they didn't realize they could see that. Yeah. And going back a little bit, whatever I was talking about, how somebody can tell if their blood sugar is, I, I mean, maybe out of whack is the wrong phrase to use, but generally like if I'm, you know, for me, for example, if I go and everybody's heard of the, the you know, a sugar crash where they eat something that's extremely sweet. Maybe they have a, a big Sunday or a big slice of cake and they get a little boost of energy and then they, they feel bad afterwards. Like, is that, can you explain maybe what's, what's happening there? And maybe, cause I, I don't think enough people, I don't think enough people understand maybe what happens in their body if they, you know, if they go down and to sit down and play some games and they eat two giant candy bars, or if they go and sit down and, you know, eat half of a cake, like what happens in their body and why do they feel the way they do afterwards? Cause I don't think they make those connections. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you sort of, you get a lot of people that are like, oh, every afternoon at like three o'clock, I'm exhausted and I reach for another coffee or, or I can't, it's so hard to resist the, the candy jar at work and everything. And we can say, absolutely, I can see it in your data, right? So what happens to a lot of people can be something we call reactive hypoglycemia. And that's when you have a pretty high carbohydrate meal your glucose spikes up and then the body overcompensates and actually produces a lot of insulin. It says, whoa, like let's get this in check, right? So your glucose is going up because your body is digesting your meal and the glucose is starting to float around in your body. And the body is sensing that and saying, whew, we got to get on this. And it actually can overproduce some insulin. And then you see the body start to, you know, again, the insulin is unlocking all the cells and the glucose is rushing in. And all of a sudden you sort of, you drop and you actually drop below where you started. And so we, you can see it in the data as a high spike and then actually a dip down below where you started at your meal. And many times you get those feelings of exhaustion. Sometimes it can even be like, 
nausea, dizziness, like shakiness. I mean, people really don't feel great. I actually had an experience. I went to Chicago and I never had um, deep dish pizza. <laughs> and I was like, I got to get the deep dish pizza. Even dietitians <laughs> eat deep dish pizza. Course, and so I was like, yeah, when in Rome, I was like, I got to have a, I mean, I can't tell you how horrible I felt on the way to the airport. I was like, oh, I had a <laughs> headache. I was like dizzy. I mean, it was literally, I was my own worst enemy. You know, I had the deep dish pizza. I know my glucose spiked and I crashed down afterwards and I felt terrible. Um, so it's those physical symptoms, even though I wasn't wearing a monitor at the time, I knew exactly what was going on in my body. Of course. And I, I think that's an amazing place to go because something that I preach all the time to my patients, my friends, anybody who is trying to be a little healthier is that I've, I've been there in my own life and my own weight loss journey a long time ago with being too strict. And for example, on your situation where I would have went to Chicago and I would not have even looked at the pizza because that would have been a big no, no for me. Right. And then all of the mental stress that would have came from all of that, of course. But what I try and preach is just the obviously the, the, the motto of, of moderation and being able to enjoy treats, but then knowing what to do in that moment. So I know for myself, and I'd love to hear what you tend to recommend for, for your clients and for friends and family or whoever is like, if I was in, let's say a situation like where I went to Chicago and had a big deep dish pizza, you may not have been able to, cause you had to catch a flight. But for me, I know that if I go in gorge on some pizza or I have two pieces of cake at my kid's birthday party my immediate thought is how can I move after this to use some of that blood sugar to where I maybe don't experience as much of a, of a drop below baseline. And that for me tends to work, even if it's just going on a walk or it's running around and playing, you know, whatever yard games, if it's at a party, doing some weird ass air squats next to the, next to my <laughs> table, if I need to, you know, I don't care, <laughs> but like just trying to do something that decreases that. I, do you tend to recommend anything similar to that? Or if you notice what works best for you? hundred percent. And I have a super dorky catchphrase that my husband just rolls his eyes, but I always say after you <laughs> eat, move your feet. And so, um, I should like get t-shirts after you eat, move your feet. Too, um, yeah. that's it, 100%. And, and for the audience, you know, and, and you, you know, the physiology of this, but again, like we were talking about, if you have glucose floating around in your system, we don't necessarily want to store it for later. We want our cells to use it. We want our muscles to use it. We want our body to to use that energy, right? And so that's really the best way to, you know, when we have those higher carb meals, enjoy them, enjoy the deep dish pizza, but let's, you know, walk the, walk around the block a couple of times, you know, <laughs> go swimming in Lake Michigan or, you know, whatever it is, like, you know, get out there, start moving around and your glucose response will be much better because your body's going to use up that energy in the moment. Thank you, Momentus, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Momentus specializes in sports nutrition products designed to optimize your active life. They are trusted by experts like Dr. Andrew Huberman, Dr. Kelly Starrett, and over 150 professional and collegiate sports teams. Momentus takes pride in having the highest quality ingredients that are backed by rock-solid science. Still questioning their track record? Let me set it straight for you. Over 72% of NFL teams consistently purchase products from Momentus. When you're ready to grab some of the highest quality products on the market, go to livemomentous.com and use code DALTON15 at checkout to get 15% off your purchase. Again, that's livemomentous.com and use the code DALTON15 at checkout to get 15% off. Thanks again for Momentous for sponsoring this episode of the podcast.
This episode is also sponsored by Neurogum. If you're tired of ripping through pot after pot of coffee, then you need to check out Neurogum. They have a range of gum and mints, so you can choose the flavor of your liking, from classic peppermint to honey lemon and cinnamon. They come packed with caffeine, B vitamins, and my favorite, L-theanine. The theanine is a natural way to decrease those negative side effects that we get from drinking too much coffee, like jitters and anxiety. I notice whenever I use NeuroGum while I work, I get a little boost of energy and focus that's even better than coffee, which is saying a lot because Papa is a coffee addict. The best part is they offer a full refund, no questions asked, if you aren't completely happy with your purchase. Right now, exclusively for halfway healthy listeners, you can get 15 to 20% off their bags of gum or mints. If you just head on over to tryneurogum.com slash Dalton, that's tryneurogum.com slash Dalton, D-A-L-T-O-N, to claim your 15 to 20% off. Thank you, Neurogum, for sponsoring this episode. I love earlier you'd mentioned that you guys are not anti-carbohydrate, and I would love to go there because that's something that for myself, being a nutrition enthusiast and loving to look at the research and study and, but I've, I've also gotten caught up in following the trends and the quote unquote experts with the loudest voices on social media. And for a long time, I, I was doing what most would consider low carb and feeling like shit, to be honest, and having very poor workouts. And this is not me demonizing low carb because I know that it's good for some people and maybe not for others. But I think my ultimate question here is how do you navigate that conversation with, uh, with a client just trying to mention that, Hey, carbs aren't bad. Here's some situations where carbs can be good. Here's some situations where carbs may not be the best before bed, you know, whatever those, those things that, uh, well, you know, of course, certain situations again, but just, I'll leave it there. Do you have any thoughts on that and, and kind of how you've, how you felt over the past, I'd say five to 10 years, whenever all this stuff has been popping up, kind of like demonizing carbs? Yeah. I mean, I think as a dietitian, we are so well trained to look at the evidence. So whenever I see a headline pop up or something, I'm always like, all right, all right, what is this based on? You know, where is this coming from? Um, mm -hmm. And I will say that there has been a lot of really interesting evidence looking at a lower carbohydrate diet for someone who is pre-diabetic or someone who does have you know diabetes. So there is evidence out there for following a ketogenic type diet. I think people get confused as to what ketogenic means because it, it's actually, I mean, when I was in school, I learned it was just for treating epilepsy. So then when all of a sudden I saw these people, I was like, oh my gosh, are you having seizures? You know, <laughs> I didn't realize. <laughs> so many people having seizures now. <laughs> right, yeah. So, you know, now there's a modified, uh, so, so a, a true ketogenic diet is incredibly high in fat, right? And I think mm -hmm. some people have not really understood that. And so they're, they're just eating high protein. So there's a lot of mis confusion, misinformation. What we pride ourselves in at NutriSense is we meet our clients wherever they are. If someone comes to us and says, I feel very strongly about following a ketogenic diet, Absolutely. Let me help you optimize that so that you feel the best, right? We have people that come to us that are carnivores. A absolutely. If someone's a vegan, right? We're not here to say you have to have this in your diet or you must eliminate this from your diet. That is that is against our philosophy. But we want to help you optimize whatever you feel 
mo- you know, wh- whatever you feel is speaking to you, right? And so if you want to have carbohydrates in your diet, let's do it. Let's figure out what are the ones that you really love? How do you want to incorporate a sweet potato into your diet? Let's try half a sweet potato. Let's try it at dinner. Let's try it at lunch. Which way, you know, which does it look better in your glucose? Where, where do you feel better? A lot of people say, I love pasta. It's a comfort food for me. How can I, how can I eat pasta? I miss it. Let's figure it out. Let's eat it with a ton of protein. Let's eat it with some apple cider vinegar beforehand. There's there's room for every food in your diet. It's just about figuring out where it fits the best for you. And the I think the what what you're mentioning is is great because I think and it's part of the reason why I started doing all this is because the social media side of things where things get elevated extremely quickly and people see one thing from one expert and they think that that's what they have to do. And again, I think what you guys are doing is amazing because I feel like that's just, and it sounds, it sounds stupid to even say, but I just feel like it's how, it's how everything should be is if somebody comes to you and says, I feel fantastic on keto. Why are you, ha- why are we having the conversation to say, you need to be eating more carbs or you need to be eating pasta whenever they already say they feel great on keto. Right. But I, and I, and I think that same thing, the other way around where, you know, for a long time, people will hear everybody should be eating paleo because of what carbs do to you or what processed foods do to you, or everybody should be staying away from white pastas because of this. Instead of, like you said, if that's their one comfort food, let's figure out how you can have that. I think that's a beautiful way to, to look at nutrition. What I was going to say is I'm curious if, if you've noticed I, for myself over the last, I mean, easily over a decade of trying, of getting into the nutrition field and, and experimenting and studying, it's taken me a, quite a long time to figure out what works best for me because I haven't done a CGM. I haven't done, I've done, you know, macro, uh, journaling and things like that, but in general, haven't done a lot of high personal data for myself. And so I feel like it's why it's taken me a, a pretty long time to figure out what works best for me. Do you notice that by using these, this tech like NutriSense, like some of the other techs you mentioned earlier, people can get there faster? Uh, absolutely. I think we can, you can guess, you can journal, you can, you know, kind of write things down and you might get some of the picture, but it's it's really helpful to be able to have that data and to look back on it and be like, oh man, that's right. That was that super stressful week that I had. I had like two presentations and then dinner's out. Oh, I could totally see the difference because then the next week I was getting all this, uh, you know, I was getting much better sleep and I was exercising again. Wow. I can really see how these things that are, are in my life that maybe I don't have that much control over. We can't control our job or, you know, certain stresses in our lives, but we can see how when we are able to take some of that off or, or, or get some extra sleep, it can really make a difference in our data. And it, 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 it gives you something, it gives you a reference point. It gives you a range. And I know it can be hard to track stuff long-term, um, but I think that, you know, if it's something that you could revisit every year or you could revisit every, you know, six months, you can get a really great idea as to how your body is aging or dealing with different parts of your life, right? I think getting a snapshot in time at your annual physical with a lab draw is like kind of interesting, but <laughs> but way more interesting is to see how are you doing in the three months after your physical or before your physical. Um, you know, a, a moment in time is is fine, um, but we want to get a picture of, of the trends and to see how you're doing on a wider range. So you mentioned the 
wearing or checking in every maybe six months to a year and seeing the span of data over over time. When should somebody maybe seek out a CGM? I mean, I would love to go back to that population I painted before because I think that's generally, you know, if I could paint a broad brush at the general population of the audience years, the 20s, 30s, and 40s, generally healthy or, you know, exercises a little bit, eats maybe a little bit healthy, but still kind of questions whether or not they're doing as well as they could. When should somebody seek out a CGM? How long is the typical wear time? And then how often do you tend to recommend for people to do it again? Well, if you want me to wear my marketing hat, I'd say everyone should wear it (laughs) all the time, 12 months. Um, (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) I know that that's not uh, sustainable, right? Um, Off the record, Catherine, off the record, (laughs) when should people really wear a CGM? (laughs) I would say... You know, I, I truly, I think everyone can learn something from this, right? I would not put it on if you're going on a vacation, right? But I really think <laughs> it would everyone... add to the to the uh, vacation depression afterwards. Yeah, the scale go up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, actually, I will say many people actually have lower. This is like a little side note people that do wear their CGM on vacation, they're always like shocked by their glucose values. They're like, wait a minute, I thought it was going to be awful. And I'm like, no, it's because you're relaxed. It's like a great, it's a great stress. It's a great way for them to see how their stress is impacting their body because their glucose values are not that bad on vacation. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting, but I digress. Um, no, I love Speci- it. <laughs> okay. So specifically, our programs, um, the shortest time we offer is one month. Um, most people opt for like a three-month program. I would say, particularly for women, I don't know how what, what your uh, breakdown is between men and women in your audience, but particularly It's actually for mostly women. women. Okay. Yeah. So um, I talk a lot about uh, you know women and hormone health and things like that. And if you can get a couple of your cycles in there, it's fascinating to be able to see how your estrogen progesterone levels are interplaying um, you know, with your uh, insulin levels and your ability to handle different carbohydrates at different parts of your cycle. So particularly for women, I think three months is really interesting to get a couple of the, and if you have um, PCOS or if you have irregular cycles, this is a great way way to kind of key into that. Um, you know, I think one month is interesting to gather a baseline data of sort of where you are in your life. Maybe you can implement a couple changes and see the benefits of it. But I would say three months, you can get your baseline data, you can see where you want to make some tweaks, and then you can really start to make some changes and see the effects of it. Yeah. And then Whenever, do you guys have, I'm, I'm assuming you have your own app that whenever somebody does have the CGM hooked up, they can see the real-time data and look back at at the, their scores from previous days? Here, let me, uh, wait, can you see my uh, video or no? Well, yeah, we'll, we'll be able to. Yeah, you can, okay, you can pull it up. On. Let me see. Let me find myself so I'm only sharing my amazing data, right? <laughs> right. I need to, I need to do it. I've, that's something that I've been looking at over the last uh, few months. I need to just bite the bullet and, and try one out. 
I was going to say, we got, we got to get you on our program here. So this is, I know the glare is not perfect, but this is, this is our app, right? You can see uh, my data from March 30th. Uh, I logged a couple of meals. I logged a workout, um, you know, gave me my daily average score. And then there's just about a thousand different things to look at. We have a ton of articles to read, uh, you know, education things in there. Um, the app is really fantastic. And then you can just chat with your dietitian. You get assigned a dietitian right away. And someone says, Hey, Dalton, what's going on? What are your goals? Let's work on them. I'm here to help you. I'm like, Dalton, what happened at 2 a.m. last night? This is wild. Yeah, the... like, I hope that was a fun night. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. You said, you said that it spits out a, a score. I'm sure there's some deep-rooted algorithm in there on how it generates a score. But in general, what is a what is the daily score? Yeah, the daily score is based on um, here. Let me pull that up for you again. Sorry, I should be like sharing my screen here. No, um, Where's my data? Uh, yeah, so it's we've got we've got a, a lot of different algorithms in there. Our daily score uh, is based on here. Let me pull it up. It's based on four different um, metrics that we're pulling in from your 24 hours of glucose. So we have a meal score, and then we have our daily score. Our daily score is based on your peak, your average, your adaptability, and your variability. So the peak is basically just how high you go in, in any given day. And I know you had said mm. previously, you said something's out of whack. What we like to say is out of range. So we set the much range. More, much more professional than what Oh, I yes, saying. obviously. <laughs> it's a scientific term. Um, right, right. <laughs> so we like to make sure that you're in range. And one of our best metrics is sort of, you know, percent of time within range, because we don't expect glucose to be a flat line. Again, like I said, there are so many factors that go into your day uh, that can impact your glucose. And we certainly expect you to be eating carbohydrates. So we expect your glucose to fluctuate. I like to say we aim for gentle ocean waves, not tsunamis, right? We, we aim for just sort of general fluctuation. So you are going to have a little bit of a standard deviation or variability in your data, but we don't want huge peaks and huge drops, like I said before, because you'll feel like garbage if you're doing that. You will feel great if you've got those gentle ocean waves. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm blanking on whether it's longer form cardio or high intensity strength training, but doesn't one of those actually increase your blood sugar a little bit in the moment? You got it. Absolutely. It's the hit. It's the high intensity right. anaerobic. It's really that anaerobic where your effort expenditure is greater than your available energy, uh, available energy. So the body has to basically like pull it out of storage and shoot it into your system so that you can use it. And people are usually shocked. They're like, what do you, why did my glucose go up? I was working out. Um, but steady state, you know, zone two, you should see kind of either a, a no change and then maybe, or maybe a gradual decline. But Regardless of the type of workout, you should see a, um, a decrease in average glucose throughout the rest of your day. Gotcha. And that's what I was going to ask you is, so what happens whenever, like, for example, for me, what I've noticed that works best for me having the carbohydrate conversation earlier is I like to just fit most of my carbs before and after a workout. What generally happens? What do you see with the CGM for somebody who let's say they eat carbs, uh, we'll say they're complex carbs, you know, one to two hours before they go do a strength training uh, session. Do we see that that spike? And then it sort of, even if it's a 
what you call the tsunami or a little less than a tsunami, do we see the same plummet or is it more steady? What kind of happens in that scenario? Yeah. I like that you said complex carbs because that was going to be my qualifier. I was like, well, it depends on what they're eating before. Sure. Uh, and and like you said, it depends on how far in advance they're eating. If they're eating an hour beforehand versus, uh, you know, 15 minutes before a workout, you know, what are they doing? So um, absolutely both of those will have an impact on your glucose. If it's a quick shot of honey or uh, something like that, you might see a bit of a steeper increase um, than a complex carb an hour beforehand because of the fiber um, and anything else that you might be having with it. Like, you know, banana and peanut butter, it's got some fat in there to help uh, mute it a little bit. Um, and then, like you said, so, 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 so we will see generally a lower peak um, in an anaerobic workout with uh, complex carbohydrates beforehand, right? You are giving your body the fuel it needs to work out. So, um, so that that's a good thing, right? We definitely encourage that. And also, anecdotally, people tend to perform better, you know, lift more, you know, have more energy, have more endurance, whatever it is, when they are fueling properly beforehand. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say that you mentioned a spoonful of honey. I came across this a couple of months ago and I've been doing that before my strength training workouts. And it's been crazy. I did not expect it to be as good as it was, but I feel, I feel much better going in and I probably tend to underfeed before working out. And so it probably has something to do with it, but I've been doing a spoonful of honey before I go into my strength training workouts. I've been feeling really well. Yeah, I think. And, and that's the other thing is that, you know, what works for you doesn't necessarily work for you know someone else. And that's sure. why the data can be really interesting. You can be like, okay, I had a spoonful of honey 15 minutes before I worked out. I felt great. What a great workout. And maybe your glucose does go higher than if you had had a banana and peanut butter an hour before, right? Two very different mm -hmm. carbohydrates at different times and your glucose might react differently, right? But your level of performance and the way you felt is the same. So, you know, give yourself that flexibility. I always think, you know, it doesn't have to be the same thing every single day, but at least you have the knowledge and you're equipped to fuel your performance in the best way that fits. Maybe you ran out of bananas one day, so you got the honey. Like, you know, you, you can optimize your lifestyle based on your data. Yeah. And this is, this is my fault, but I'd love for you to dig me out of the hole. Earlier, I mentioned a complex carbohydrate. Can you say what a complex carbohydrate is and, and how it compares to a simple carbohydrate? Yeah. So a simple carbohydrate is something like, a, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on a honey, right? It's just pure glucose, right? And it just breaks mm -hmm. down um, and it hits your system and you're off to the races. Uh, and you can really see that in your glucose. But a complex carbohydrate uh, has fiber and it has, has, it takes longer to digest. I'm trying to explain it the right way. You know, it takes longer to break down in your body. And so that complex element to it, that fiber element, element to it mutes the effect um, of your system, of it hitting your system. And so it doesn't shoot as high afterwards. Perfect. And that's where you were saying before, of it's going to take a little longer to digest as well. And that's the same thing as if you add in the, the fats, like the fats and the fiber are generally what increases satiety, but also increases the time of digestion. So I think for, for people that are wanting to feel the workout that's going to be two to three hours away. As you were saying before, adding in some of those fats or fibers can be beneficial. But if you're trying to feel a workout in 15 minutes, you probably don't want to eat six spoonfuls of peanut butter. <laughs> right. right, 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 right. Yeah. And so I, I want to go back to the apple cider. You mentioned this, and I think a lot of people would probably 
vomit with uh, boredom by seeing my social media feed because I have all the nerdy uh, nutrition and fitness stuff that I enjoy to, to look at. But I've seen a lot of people do the, I'm wearing a CGM, I'm going to eat this before I eat this pizza, or I'm going to eat this before I eat this bowl of pasta, or I'm going to take this supplement before I eat this bowl of pasta, and let's see how it compares to whenever I just do it by itself. And one of the things, it's funny you said apple cider vinegar, because that's now the second or third time that I've heard that this week. And I saw somebody do that before they ate two giant pieces of pizza. And so I just want, I want to know what- <laughs> Were they in Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> they very well could have been. Yeah, they could have been. So I, I want to know, because you, you mentioned it for a reason. I imagine. And so I'm just curious what you've seen with the apple cider vinegar and if there's anything else that's similar to those uh, outcomes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a hack. Um, it's a really interesting yeah. hack that works for some people on some meals. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's great. I think it's really fun to try it out. Now the gummy form is not going to necessarily help you. Um, so it's gotta be in that liquid form and, um, it's, it's, it really helps the acetic acid and it. it helps to blunt the glycemic response. Um, it needs to be taken you know, right before you, um, ingested right before you eat or sort of like with your meal, like vinaigrette, you know, as part of a, you know, a mm. salad or something like on your salad. Um, and just, it, it, it can be really interesting. Um, again, it works for some people. It doesn't work for everyone. And it's not like having it every day is going to build up in your system as some type of, you know, wonderful response over time. It's really kind of like, it's almost like taking a Tums before a meal or something, right? It's just it's just to sort of help you in that moment. And so do you recommend people dilute it a little bit? Absolutely. Or just take it as a shot? Because I've done Ooh. both. And let me tell you, the shot will knock you on your ass. It is wild yes. how strong those are. It can also like totally degrade your teeth. And oh yeah, I mean, no, like, it's it horrible. Not, yeah, it's horrible. You should not do this. Not this was like five. No, no, no. This was like five or six years ago, and my my wife told me that's what she did with her with her family. And so before I even looked at the research and and what I should do, I was like, sure, I'll take it. And I took a shot. I was like, wow, this is this cannot be good for your body. And then I realized, yeah, just add a little bit of water, and it's actually not right. that bad. You can even right. make it a little, add a little lemon to it. That's what I've done a couple of times and make it a pretty pretty good little drink. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't, apple cider vinegar, I think is the one that's most studied. Um, other vinegars can work. There's actually, um, like there's a line of uh, ones that are kind of interesting that also, so we talk a lot about uh, Bragg, the Bragg uh, brand that, cause it has the mother um, to the go back mother, to your yeah. uh, probiotic um, discussion earlier. And, and um, the, uh, there's another line of them that also has like some fermentation to them. So you get a little bit of that benefit. Um, but you know, it, again, it's not going to, you know, uh, diminish all the effects of say, you know, two, two pieces of cake and some deep dish pizza, but, uh, but it can certainly help. And there's no, you know, there's no harm in it, um, unless you're taking it as a shot. <laughs> so yeah, yes, di dude. dilute it in some water and also nothing wrong with drinking a big glass of water before a bigger meal, you know, always good to mm -hmm. get hydrated. And is it typically, I'm just trying to dig a little deeper into the hack as like a takeaway for people listening. Would you recommend a, is it a teaspoon? Is it a, like a teaspoon mixed with some water to dilute it, you know, right before having these high carbohydrate meals? I would say more like one to two tablespoons, depending okay. on how big of a glass of water you have. I would say about 15 to 20 minutes before you start your meal. Thank you, Purple Carrot, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Are you tired of the same old boring meals every week? Do you want to eat healthier but don't know where to start? And it's time to try Purple Carrot. 
Purple Carrot is the plant-based meal kit company that makes it easy and delicious to eat more vegetables. With Purple Carrot, you'll receive weekly deliveries of pre-portioned ingredients and recipes that are designed to be easy to follow and delicious to eat. Each recipe is created by professional chefs and features fresh, seasonal ingredients that are packed with flavor and nutrition. And because all of their meals are plant-based, you can feel good about what you're eating and the impact it has on the environment. So why wait? Sign up for Purple Carrot today and start enjoying delicious, healthy meals that will make you feel great from the inside out. As a special offer for our listeners, by clicking the link in the description, you can get 30% off of your first three boxes. Again, just click the link in the description and you'll get 30% off your first three boxes with Purple Carrot. Eat responsibly. This episode is also sponsored by 8sleep. This has been the biggest change in my life for my sleep quality. I've been sleeping on their pod cover and absolutely loving it. The human race is sleeping less now than any other time in the last century, and 8sleep technology is here to change that. Their pod and pod cover products adjust temperature automatically based on your personal preferences to provide you with the best sleep. My wife prefers hot and I prefer cold, and that's not a problem because our cover is set to keep my side bone chilling cold and hers nice and cozy warm. So if you want the best night's sleep of your life, go to 8sleep.com, that's spelled out E-I-G-H-T, sleep.com, and you can use my code Dalton at checkout to get $50 off your order. Again, just use my code Dalton at checkout to get $50 off your 8sleep pod or pod cover and enjoy the best night's sleep of your life. I think that's that's awesome. And is there anything is there anything like that that you would say that you would quote unquote call it a hack of something that people can do if in those situations like what we've talked about multiple times already, the eating the cake, enjoying yourself, going out on a birthday meal and eating things you shouldn't, but you know you just wanna you wanna splurge. Like are there other things that you can do to blunt that response, even if it's not a it's not a magic pill, but it can at least decrease a little bit if somebody doesn't have a bottle of of mothers in their pocket. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's a couple different things. Uh, again, we, we talk about these four pillars of health, right? There's nutrition, there's the food choices that you would make at a meal, there's exercise, there's sleep and there's stress, right? So maybe the sleep, you can't really change that around a meal, but, um, stress, I think there's really interesting evidence coming out now. If you are stressed and sitting at a meal, I mean, I've looked at people's data where they've said like, oh, I was at like a work lunch or a work dinner and it was stressful. I was with my boss or something. And their glucose is much higher than if they were just having lunch with their friend. Right. Um, and so going into a meal in a relaxed way can really be helpful. I know it sounds crazy, but it really can. It can just sort of lower that cortisol response and and you can go into your meal. Another thing to think about is alcohol. Um, Alcohol can impact how you digest your meal. So uh, the body will prioritize breaking down alcohol first. And so a lot of times we see a delayed glucose spike at dinners. People are like, what, why did all of a sudden my glucose spike at like 11 o'clock? I had, you know, beers and wings at like five, like what's going on? The body will prioritize breaking down the alcohol first before it gets around to breaking down your dinner. So you will actually see spikes much later on and overnight, which can also lead to poor sleep, many other things. Um, so we talk about alcohol and, and the best ways to time that. And then there's macros. There's the order in which you eat your meal. So you might go over to a friend's house for dinner. You're not in control of the menu. They're serving you something lovely like a I don't know, lasagna and salad or something like that. You don't want to be rude, but you can try and eat your macros in, in an order that can minimize the spike of your meal. 
And and can you talk about what that what that order might be? Is that eating the the vegetables first before you jump into the the lasagna? Yeah. Um, if there's protein, I always say hit up the protein first or the vegetable first, right? If they're serving you a salad or you have everything on your plate, aim for the protein um, and so the salad. You just handpick. You just handpick hand the ground beef out of the lasagna yeah. first, and then you just, you just eat shove the, the meatballs in. Just put the right, meatballs right. in first. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, but you know, even if you're at a pizza place, right. Ask for some grilled chicken on a salad first, eat that first and then have your pizza. Um, you know, there's a lot of different, I always say like you can eat all around the world. You can eat at anyone's barbecue or anyone's party and you can eat that way. You can go to, uh, you know, a buffet and eat the shrimp cocktail first and, and a salad first, and then, um, you know, hit some of the heavier carbohydrate stuff at the end. When doing when having these, these types of meals that we've talked about extensively, have you seen much data or research in having some sort of a fiber supplement with them, like taking some sort of like psyllium husk or other fiber supplement before or during and what that does to blood sugar? Yeah. Uh, I would say, I don't know specifically fiber supplements because I think sometimes those fiber supplements can be in gummy form. Um, if someone's putting three tablespoons of chia seeds or ground flax seeds, uh, on their salad, absolutely. That's going to make a difference. Um, just adding those natural forms of fiber to your meal will make a huge difference again. And, you know, some people are like, I'm sick of vegetables. I'm sick of like the sad salad. I'm like, well, there's a thousand other ways to get fiber. Um, you know, and so we, we add that kind of stuff in terms of research with certain fiber supplements, I would say I don't have that in front of me right now, but, um, any way that you can add that in its most natural form is going to be better for your glucose. Yeah. Can we talk about the gummies for a second? What's up with the gummy supplement market? I mean, it is, it's what, what are your, what are your initial thoughts on, on the gummies that are taking over the supplement world right now? I think it depends on what kind of gummies you're talking about, but um, in terms of uh, nutritional yeah. gummies, <laughs> um, not <laughs> sure. recreational ones, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think they they are everywhere, right? I think a lot of people feel strongly about giving their kids vitamins and supplementing their children's diets with um, that, and that's been um, really. I guess, sort of helpful just in terms of getting kids to take something. But again, as with all supplements, they're unregulated. Um, I just read an article last night where uh, there's melatonin supplement out there that, uh, you know, do doing the, uh, the analysis of it, some had, you know, three times the amount as stated, some had none, some had Jeez. only CBD in them. Some, and I don't even know if CBD was listed on it. I mean, like it's unregulated. So I always tell people, you know, if you want to take something, I have, I have no problem with taking a multivitamin. I have no problem um, with supplementing your diet. If you don't get a lot of sunlight, getting some vitamin D in a supplement form, but you have to make sure you're taking it in the right way. Um, and if you can get it from food, you know, that's always better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what I've seen too, and just doing some research on individual ingredients in a lot of these gummies is that they tend to have a lot lower dosage than what's been shown to be, um, actually beneficial or, or, you know, in the, in the research showing what the beneficial dosage was. So I don't know if that's because they're 
prioritizing trying to make a gummy or if it's just naturally they're wanting to have a little bit lower, but it's just something interesting that I've noticed, uh, that in most of the gummy supplements that I've seen, they've had like a quarter of what most of the studies said was a beneficial dose. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. It's very interesting. I, I want to go to the probiotic discussion. So, and that's news to me. You mentioned the, the mothers in the episode of finger. I did not know that that was a probiotic. So that's, you said that's a probiotic within the apple cider vinegar of the, you said Bragg? Yep. Yep. Of the Bragg brand. And then there's another one I'm blanking on the name, uh, living proof or something like that. They also have, um, fermentation in there. Yeah. Gotcha. So can you briefly just touch on maybe what a probiotic is and how you have conversations about probiotics with your clients? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, a very also buzzy, popular term. I remember when I was in school, we had to do a dietary recall, like our whole class had to do a dietary recall for, for our professor. And she walks in, she goes, every single person eats Chobani yogurt. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> literally like 100%. Chobani yogurt. Every dietitian, every you know, dietitian to be was eating uh, Chobani yogurts. Um, That's what Chobani wants to hear. Yeah, Cho- Chobani, oh, sponsored by Chobani. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, you know, and this was again, you know, ten years ago when the Greek yogurt market was just uh, kind of coming on. Now there's like a thousand brands. You go to the yogurt aisle, and I mean, growing up there was like one brand. It was Dannon. Now there's like a, you know a million different ways to have it. Um, but the pro probiotic market uh, is is really interesting. And obviously you can get probiotics through fermented foods, but you can also get them in supplement form. Like we said before, this is unregulated. And so there are some, you know, reputable brands out there. I'm not going to name any names, but, um, you know, there, there are brands out there and you can certainly, um, you know, speak with a, a professional or, you know, a dietitian about which ones work best for you. Uh, but the, the point of a probiotic is to give some, uh, gosh, I guess give some bugs into your, into your microbiome, right? So microbiome is another big term that's going on there. And that's fascinating, right? There has not right. been a lot of research about the microbiome, but everything that we're learning is like, ah, oh, that makes so much sense. Like, oh, like that's so cool. Like, oh, of course that makes sense. It's all tied together. Like you said earlier, our immune system, um, you know, our hormone system, uh, so many things are intertwined with our gut and a lot of our nerves and everything. You know, that vagus nerve is that biggest nerve that goes right from our stomach up to our brain. There's a reason why when you feel nervous, your stomach is in knots, right? All of that stuff makes sense. So pro yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say it's it, it, just a thought that just kept running to my head. Cause you were talking about earlier how it was unregulated and you know, I, have been seeing recently, I found an article that was just discussing uh, the dangers of people selling probiotics as a supplement is they can really do whatever they want. And the actual naming of the probiotics, you know, you'll see the bifidobacterium, blah, blah, blah. You'll see the lactobacillus, blah, blah, blah. Well, that last name companies can literally just make up so they can take a a bifidobacteria, and then they can say it's for diverticulitis and they call it bifidobacteria diverticulitis. And it's like, that's just a made up name that they made up to make it sound like it's supposed to be for diverticulitis. Not saying it's not, but some brands can do that without having 
any sort of research to back up that that's what it's for, but then they can sell you at this premium price. So I just, I just say all that just to, to tell people to be careful it were, as you said earlier, it's unregulated and people can really call things, whatever they want to call it and say that it works for these things that it may or may not work for, you know? Correct. Right. Right. Exactly. So sorry to, sorry to cut you off. I was just getting worked up in my mind, I think before <laughs> about it. No, 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 no. A- absolutely. Absolutely. So, and then there's, so, so there's the prebiotics, which you're trying to sort of populate the gut. Um, and then there's the, the, the probiotics, which are helping them, um, you know, helping it all to grow. Uh, and the, the prebiotics are something that people have been I don't know if you've talked about that on your podcast, but that's kind of, those are some carbohydrates. Those are things that you can put into your gut that provide the energy for those good bugs to grow. Um, So again, really interesting research out there. Uh, There's a lot of, you know, overgrowth, undergrowth, too many antibiotics. Um, there's, There's a lot of attention being paid to this, which I think is really, really great because a lot of people can be suffering from GI issues and just think like, well, this is how I have to live my life. Right. And, and there are things that you can, can do to change. Yeah. I think, you know, talking about the simplicity of trying to implement some of these things in your, in your diet, you know, you mentioned the the prebiotics, you know, a lot of what I'm seeing is that you can take all the probiotics that you want in the world, but if you don't feed them with the fruits and vegetables, the prebiotics, then a lot of times you're just, you know, paying for a monthly probiotic to go through your system and not hang around because you're not feeding it the proper nutrition. So in terms of like simplicity, a lot of times people, it seems people can introduce more fruits and vegetables into their diet to make a big difference in their gut health instead of having to immediately go to start paying for a lot of these supplements that may or may not work for them. Right. Yeah. And, and, and also going into your, you know, those lifestyle things, like you can, you can take all the probiotics you want, but if you're getting sick all the time, if you're super stressed, if your immune system is on overdrive, it's again, like you said, you're just paying a lot of money to take the stuff and it's just going to wash right out. Right. You have to take care of your whole body to kind of Mm -hmm. get that garden to grow, (laughs) you know, really make sure you have a healthy gut. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I had written down here from our our earlier part of the conversation, you had mentioned the fact that a lot of people, whenever they do wear their CGM on vacation, they actually notice that their numbers are not as bad. And you mentioned something that, that I didn't think about, but my mind went somewhere where you you were talking about just decreased stress levels. My mind went somewhere else in my own vacations where I actually, especially if I'm going to a new place, I tend to walk a lot. Like I am constantly moving, walking, going to different places, seeing new sites, going to the museums or whatever it is, but I'm always moving. And that I, that I believe if I was to wear a CGM on vacation, I'm sure I would see very similar results where my numbers probably wouldn't be as bad as I would expect, even though I'm treating myself because I'm walking so much, which just reminded me of, I try to harp on this all the time with patients and with family of just the going back again to the simplicity of it and the so many benefits there are to to walking what are what are the conversations like that you're having with with your clients on on the importance of walking and and what have you seen that do for people's numbers it's it's incredible right you know again some people think they're coming to us and we're going to tell them you can't eat this you have to do this and we're taking things away when in essence we're asking them to to add more into their life right and it is harder in our lifestyle these days to 
walk after a lunch, you know, if you have a desk job or very busy lifestyle, um, it is harder to build that in. Uh, at nighttime, maybe you're just exhausted and, you know, it's dark and it's been a long day. But if you can incorporate even a 10 to 15 minute brisk walk after your meal, your glucose levels will look phenomenal. You will also, your digestion will be improved. Everything will be improved. Plus if you walk with your dog or your partner, you'll have some enjoy you know, some enjoyable time. If you're someone who enjoys being in nature, it's another opportunity to be out in nature, which can also be cortisol lowering, stress reducing. Um, so we, I, I do kind of take a tough love on the walking and I really try and make people fit that in uh, to their day as often as they can. And I, you know, I say like, just test it out, try it for three days. And people are like, oh my gosh, this is great. Like, I, I really love this, you know, or I give them, you know, I say, treat it as a reward. Like you can only watch your favorite show if you're walking on the treadmill, uh, you know, after dinner or something like that. So um, you, you try and give someone an incentive to do it. And then when they see the results on the CGM and they see how they feel, uh, it's a huge motivator to continue the habit. Yeah. And I think I love the way you put it of just doing like a 10 to 15 minute brisk walks. I think a lot of people, they don't realize that it can be that easy, that if you mm -hmm. added two to three 15 minute walks in your day, you're going to clear your quote unquote step goal, you know, yep. or close to eight, 10,000 steps. And people think that that's going to be walking for an hour and a half. And in reality, like you said, 10 to 15 minutes. And if you can just start with having somebody do that one time, that's mm -hmm. awesome. And then mm -hmm. they're probably going to notice, holy shit, I feel better. Let me add another one in and see how I feel. And usually people probably have two hours of scroll time on their phone that they could probably take 10 minutes off and go on a walk, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So last thing, Catherine, if you will allow us to get personal for a second, can we do that? Sure. <laughs> You're like, I don't know where this is going, but no, I'll give you, I'll give you mine first because I, one of the things that I, I think is starting to happen, which I am very grateful for, is I think a lot of people who talk about their expertise and their their specific knowledge and fields are now coming out and also being very open about something that they, or things that they may struggle with or that they are getting better at, that they're implementing some of the things that they teach people, you know, every day or something that they just started doing for themselves that has helped them out in some struggle that they've had. And so I would love to hear I'll, I'll tell you mine first to give you time to think, but I would love to hear anything that you're currently working on that you are maybe haven't been doing great on, but you're doing better. Something like that. Like for me, mine is actually the walking. So I've got twin boys that are two years old and oh. it's oh. crazy. Yeah. You're busy. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah. I'm busy. And so, you know, I wake up, I try to wake up before before everybody does. So I can do a little bit of work and then I go to work. I come home and whenever I come home, I want to be with my family and I've got time until they go to sleep and then it's eight o'clock. And so there's just, I was finding whenever I started going back and looking at my data, I'm like, oh man, I am trying to tell everybody that they need to be walking and I'm not feeling the best. And oh, wow, look at this. I'm not walking as much as I'd like to. And over the last month or so, I've really impl implemented just getting out in the morning as I have my time, taking away from a little bit of my personal time to just get out and do a couple laps around the neighborhood. And it's been amazing. I felt, I feel way better. And I'm trying to do that nearly every day, as long as the weather permits. And yeah, it's just been, it's been great just building that into a busy schedule. Like you said. Yeah. It, ta it takes, it takes, T takes building it in. So, um, yeah. I have been, I have three kids and I have been very lax at my stress management. So, um, a couple months ago, I really made an effort to, 
I don't know if it's necessarily meditation, but really to have 15 minutes when I first wake up of quietness, of focus, breathing. Um, and I actually try and implement it uh, for 10 to 15 minutes in the afternoon before they come home from school and, you know, the onslaught of, of crazy. So, um, you know, and I've, I've noticed it, it makes me more focused in my work. I can work faster, uh, quicker, more efficiently. And I less of the angry mom sort of harping on everyone, nagging everyone. I'm a little more yeah. chill. I'm a little more like, that's cool. Let's, you know, let's figure this out. Uh, and so it's been really wonderful for me to, you know, like you said, you're, you feel like you're taking time away from a busy day that you could be more productive, but I actually feel like I'm more productive because I'm doing it. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, Catherine, this has been a wonderful conversation. I, I again, I appreciate you coming on and I would love for you to share any final thoughts, any asks of the audience and maybe where they can find you in, in NutriSense. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love love talking to people that are as passionate about health and nutrition, uh, optimizing um, you know our clients' best interest. Uh, so really, thank you for having me on the the podcast. And people can find NutriSense uh, where we're everywhere. If you just say it enough on your phone, it'll pick it up. But um, <laughs> you can, <laughs> you can find us uh, online at NutriSense.io. And we actually, I do want to point people to our website because we have a really fantastic blog. We call it the journal. Uh, we have fantastic writers, all evidence-based. If you're not totally sure you want a CGM or how it can help you, this is a great resource for you to learn the interplay of whatever might be going on in your life um, and how glucose can be impacted by it. So I definitely encourage people to check that out. And then you can always find us on Instagram at NutriSense.io. We're on Facebook. I think we're on TikTok, I, you know, all the social stuff. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to be looking into it myself because it's something that I've been wanting to try. And after having a conversation with you, I, I think that I will take the jump because I want to see what my stats are. So again, thank you so much for having the conversation. Everybody go check out NutriSense.io. I'm going to check out that journal too. That sounds like a good good read for for me and for everybody just to see if it's something that they want to, want to partake in. So again, thank you. And uh, thank you everybody for listening. We'll talk again later. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Before you go, if you enjoyed this episode, we would be so grateful if you could just hop on to Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and give us a five-star review. It really helps us out a lot. Also, check out our sponsors in the links provided in the description of the episode for some great discounts on products. If you want some short health tips and news sent to your inbox every week, do me a favor, jump on to healthybirds.org and sign up for our newsletter. If you have any questions, comments, or even complaints about my personality flaws, you can email me directly at dalton at healthybirds.org. We would love to connect with all of you. Until next time, be happy, be healthy.